Oh, let's get it. Monday, February 21st, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. Personally, man, it's it's been a week. Uh, I've been having some long COVID symptoms that have pretty much prevented me from working out. And if you found me on social media, you'll always see what I'm doing, mainly in my Instagram stories on how I'm staying in shape. Well, I haven't been able to do that lately because my heart rate has been unusually high. So we uh, we got to get that under control before I go back to running, swimming, jujitsu, etc. Which sucks because working out for me is a way to, for me to clear my head, manage stress, get those endorphins going. Oh, well. Well, we'll be able to get back to it soon enough. A couple ratings, uh, but no new reviews in Apple Podcasts. If you haven't yet, please consider writing a review for Born the Battle on Apple Podcasts. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover Born the Battle, listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans and how they overcame their own challenges, listen to our benefits breakdown episodes so they can learn more about the VA, and hear what's in our news releases so, again, so you know what's going on within Veterans Affairs. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you. You write a review, I respond. It's a good time. So we have one press release and there's an associated story for it on blogs.va.gov and other places like uh, Pop Smoke Media, one of our former guests, Daniel Sharp, he's written about it. And for the link to that I usually put in this episode's blog with all the news releases, I'll link the story. It's a, it's a better read, trust me. And the story goes, in a news release posted today, VA proposed changes to the VA schedule for rating disabilities, specifically pertaining to the respiratory, auditory, and mental disorders body systems. The changes would incorporate medical advancements for treating certain disabilities and modern medical knowledge to more accurately compensate veterans. On February 15th, the Veterans Benefits Administration will publish proposed rules in the Federal Register regarding changes to the regulations for the two body systems, the respiratory system and mental disorders. Veterans in the public will have 60 days to comment on these proposed rules. Now, the direct federalregister.gov links are in the story, again, linked to this episode blog on blogs.va.gov. It's also on the front page. Or you can go to the federalregister.gov, type in VASRD, V-A-S-R-D, and on the left side, you can filter it to the past 20 days. And there are actually two proposals on there. I clicked on the second one and already there are almost 450 comments on it. Since these are proposed rules changes, they will not affect evaluations of any veteran currently receiving compensation for an actual impacted disability. Instead, the article says this is an opportunity for veterans and the public to comment on these proposed changes over the next 60 days. VA will consider the comments received and address them in a subsequent final rule, which may make these changes effective. Some of the proposed changes, including modernizing the evaluation criteria for sleep apnea by evaluating it based on the symptoms responsiveness to treatment. If symptoms are fully treated by a CPAP machine or or other treatment, a veteran would be rated at 0% and not receive any compensation. VA will award progressively higher percentage evaluations based upon how symptomatic a condition remains after treatment. This will bring the rating criteria for sleep apnea more closely in line with the stated purpose of the rating schedule which is to provide evaluations based upon average impairment of earning capacity. For respiratory conditions such as asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, the proposed rules would slightly lower the requirements for a 100% rating. For tendonitis, the proposed changes would recognize that symptom within the veteran's broader ailment and provide service-connected compensation for tendonitis through the disease to which it is attributed. The proposed rules for mental health conditions would increase the minimum disability rating from 0 to 10%. So automatically you would get 10%. The rule would get rid of a dated part of VASRD that prevents a veteran from getting a 100% rating for a mental health condition if they are able to work. 
Under the proposed changes, VA plans to use new evaluation criteria to more accurately capture the different domains of impairment caused by mental disabilities and provide more adequate compensation for financial losses experienced by veterans with service-connected mental disorders. Rather than assigning an evaluation based on the number and type of symptoms present, these changes would evaluate mental disorders based on how impactful the disability is across five domains of impairment, cognition, interpersonal interactions and relationships, task completion, life activities and navigating environments, and self-care. Veterans, their caregivers, and other partners can read the proposed rules for themselves on the federalregister.gov and are welcome to provide feedback. Like I said, there's already, already over 450 comments on one of them. And again, the links to the proposals are in the blog on, on the VASRD blog on blogs.va.gov. Right now, there are a lot of talk in the comments section about this on that blog. Some interesting stuff. And it's probably good to be better read into it than I currently am. Uh, again, I'm just telling you where it is, folks. All right. This week, we're breaking down the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization, otherwise known around VA as OSDBU. Again, acronyms. Their mission says it is the office to support the secretary's priorities by enabling veterans to gain access to economic opportunities by developing policies and programs informed by customer feedback that improve market research, increase direct access, and maximize the participation of procurement-ready veteran-owned small businesses and service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses and federal contracting. That's a lot of talk. What does it all mean? I want to know. You probably want to know. How does it help veterans? Well, Air Force veteran and the director of the Women Veteran-Owned Small Business Initiative within OSDABU, Michelle Gardner-Inns, best known as GI, breaks it all down for you and for me. Enjoy. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I, um, it's been a while, though. Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty amazing. I, I don't know if you saw, but... Uh, I got named LinkedIn uh, top voice, 10, uh, 10 military veterans. They named uh, top voice. I'm so honored by that. Amazing. I did see that. What is it? What is it? What does that mean? How, how did so, that happen? So, you know, about three years ago, I guess, January, I decided, you know, with the along kind of in parallel with the vet biz lady effort, I would uh, kind of build the brand because, you know, women veterans are always saying, you know, I'm not invisible, see me. And so I, I, I kind of drew a box one day and decided I'm going to speak and advocate for these things. And so, and I'm going to do that on a consistent basis, right? I'm going to build the military woman entrepreneur kind of brand. I can't really push other businesses, so I have to sell myself. And oh, by the way, I'm a military woman veteran, right? So <laughs> yeah. so, so I just started, you know, um, elevating the stories of women, uh, veteran businesses, even if they, you know, weren't in business, if they were about their business, I still, and I thought that it would encourage other women veterans uh, I just started to post those, encourage, you know, people talk about opportunities, resources. And I just did that on a, on a consistent basis. And then, um, you know, LinkedIn reached out to me and said, uh, hey, you know, we want you to, um, you know, to speak to our veteran internal group. That was last year. And wow. uh, I, I did that and they took a clip of what I did along with a bunch of other veterans and put it together kind of as a tribute to veterans. And then this year they said, hey, you know, thanks for all that you've been doing. Uh, we want to recognize you as and this is a new thing. They've kind of gone into segments. Right. So they have top voices or influence and they have it for the military veteran community, for HR, for IT. So this is the first time they've done one separately for the military uh, veteran community. And I'm just, you know, I'm just honored. And it's pretty amazing because what they do is they will send me what themes or things they're going to post ahead of time. That's part of being part of that community. And then if I have something that I want to tag on, then yeah. they will push it out to a wider audience. And I think that's great for women veterans. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you initially get noticed on LinkedIn? Um, mm -hmm. What was the, how were you able to elevate and share women, uh, veteran stories? Well, I think 
first of all, it's it's about branding, right? And this is something I preach to women. You know, everybody says brand, but the brand, I had the brand of GI before I got on LinkedIn, uh, you know, because 31 years ago and end of this month, I married my husband and, uh, you know, we were at Langley Air Force Base, which is a fighter pilot base. I'm a support officer. And I came back from my honeymoon and the guys go, we're not calling you Gardner Ince. That's way too long. We're calling you GI. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so at that point, it became a, a noun, a verb, an adjective, a first name, last name. And if you're a troop of mine on a on and uh, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, it might even been a cuss word. Uh, <laughs> but 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 you know, so people know me for service, um, for for excellence. I've done a lot of uh, things, uh, you know, whether it's the Tuskegee Airmen's National Convention, which I ran the military portion of that for about ten years, and mm. a bunch of other volunteer efforts. Um, but they didn't. People outside the Air Force, if you've never engaged me, wouldn't know that GI was a brand. And so, you know, I, I drew a box, put my values inside that box, you know, which are service to others, um, excellence. I love celebrating the success of other people always have. Uh, you know, it's about collaborating, providing resources. And then I said, I'm not going to talk anything political. I'm not going to talk anything religious and I'm not going to talk anything negative. And then, no, I, I, you know, so that was that was just, you know, so there's things about military sexual trauma, unemployment, you know, VA benefits. I don't post because that's not what my box had in it. Right. And of course, I've put some stuff in and taken some stuff out. But really, it's um. You know, I think it's important, and you know this being in the, in the in this industry, consistency of same message is huge, and so that box became the message, uh, and uh, and so I think just doing that. And I took a uh, let me just say I've I've gone to probably three branding boot camps. I mean, literally, they are boot camps like you in class at nine o'clock and you have to post by three. And so just that, that, that the rigor, almost like, you know, literally a boot camp, the yeah. rigor of that and, and learning those tools, being forced to learn those tools under pressure got me. And I'm like, if I'm going to do this, let me just keep going. So that's really how it happened. Very good. So you think that's how LinkedIn discovered Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, first question we usually always ask on Born in the Battle. And, and if you know, you're a listener, you've heard this, uh, where and when, did military service, did you know that military service is going to be the next step in your life? <laughs> well, the reason I'm laughing is because, huh. you know, I've never been without an ID card. Uh, I was born into the military. You know, my dad went into the Army and I was born his first year, uh, uh, you know, in the Army. He was the Army Corps of Engineer officer, one of the first black officers and I saw him in all of that dirt and he was always away you know we call him deployment now but you know mm-hmm. they would go and build bridges and he went to Vietnam three times and I was like I had no interest in the military and then um, when I graduated from from college uh, or high school my parents said you must go to Tuskegee my parents met at Tuskegee you know founder of where Tuskegee Airmen is very rich history in uh, in in the air force and uh back then tuskegee was a federally funded school and some bright congressman or senator said any school that gets federal funds every student has to take rotc or pe physical education mm. well the logic of a 17 year old because i graduated early was that rotc would be less sweating and exert physical exertion <laughs> than taking physical education. I mean, I'm just saying the logic of a 17-year-old. I didn't know. And then I Smart. said, well, yeah. if I'm going to do this, uh, I know what the Army's about. I'm not doing that. I've seen my dad do that. You know, I'm kind of a diva. I don't want to <laughs> get my nails dirty. I don't want to sweat. I'm going into the Air Force. No jokes, please. I see you biting your lip. No jokes about the Air Force. <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of uh, I mean, how it happened. I, you know, you know? I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. My brother joined the Air Force after being in the Army. 
yes. was an army girl for a while and then joined. Yes. So, no, no, uh, no judgment there. <laughs> I joined and, uh, you know, and after the first semester, I loved it so much. I ended up getting a three year scholarship. So that's how I got here. I saw in your bio that you were commissioned by your father. That yes. had to be a, a unique experience. That was so cool. I mean, he, first of all, he was another shock that I went to the military. It was kind of like, really? Like, okay, like, let me wait for it, wait for it. And, uh, but when I, when I, um, you know, graduated and he got to commission me, he was proud beyond words because, you know, this was still the early eighties. Remember women didn't come into, you know, the academies until the late seventies. So, it still was kind of that era where we were still transitioning women into the military. And uh, he just was, I mean, like I said, proud beyond words. And the thing he told me that has really set the tone for my career is he said, find a good senior NCO, hold on to their coattail and learn everything that you can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that one statement I found Chief Ed Moran, you know, old brown shoe, birth control glasses wearing guy. And (laughs) I was his lieutenant. I worked for him the first three years I was in the service. And I'm proud to say that. Like, literally, I followed him everywhere he went. Nobody bothered me because they knew if they had an issue with me, go see the chief. You know, he was an E9 chief master sergeant. And he would mentor me in love. And that's exactly what he did. He taught me to be technically competent. He taught me how to lead enlisted. He taught me if somebody told me something, make them show it to me in the regulation. And that set the tone for my career. And as a result, I have 12 chief master sergeants that I have personally mentored since they were E4s and E5s. And I think it's because of the way the chief loved me and mentored me, I then wanted to go do that for other enlisted because it's really rare for enlisted, I mean, for officers to really mentor enlisted, but why wouldn't I do that? That's who, you know, mentored me. So yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's good that you can see the progression and and the trickle down effect of, uh, of mentorship. That's awesome. Yeah. I love Um, it. Now, Michelle, you, you left after 27 years, retired, retired at Colonel. Uh, what was the first day? As a civilian, what was that like for Michelle? (sighs) Well, it took me. (laughs) uh, Well, I was still racing from the. um, Just the excitement, because, you know, um, I didn't know what to expect. I was I was I was scared, but I was also excited that so many people. Um, you know, celebrated me. And literally, let me see if I can find it. So this, I don't know if you can see it well enough. Oh, yeah. This is my retirement program. It was called GI Times. And all these people wrote in all these emails of thanks and of what I had, the impact I'd had. and And the people who planned it put it throughout the program. And, and, you know, there was over 300 people there. So I was racing from just in awe that I'd had that kind of impact on people. But then at the same token, and this is why I'm passionate about the, you know, the vet biz lady or, or, you know, women veteran owned small business initiative is I didn't know and understand my value. I didn't know how to take my skills and translate that in from being of service, right, and being sacrificial service to providing a service for a fee. Mm. And so I took probably three, four months off. It was during the summer, took my kids to Disney, some road trips. And then I came back and started my own job, my own business, right? Gotcha. And I wasn't that good at it. I'm just letting you know. No? How come? Why do you think that? I didn't understand the market. I didn't understand my value in the market and I didn't know how to translate my skills um, into specific needs because, you know, in, in the military, we're taught 
you know, go fix it, go figure it out. And so when I would meet with employers, first of all, they'd say I was overqualified or, you know, I didn't have enough experience. And I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard this. And I would say, I can do anything. And they would go, (laughs) yeah, right. No, I can do anything. I literally, to this day, think I can do anything. Not that I, not that I'm that good, but I know enough to know what I don't know. I know enough to know what I need to know and enough to go find out people who do know. Right. So, yeah, so that's yeah. all it is. It's not, it's not that I think I'm. And I think that's a, I think that's a trait a lot of military personnel have former military, you know, service right, members, right, veterans, right, right, they all have right, that. Right. So it was scary. It was scary. And I think, you know, I, I like to give a quick example. I was in business for two years. I was a subcontractor to two um, veteran owned businesses and um, I got taken. Instead of them mentoring me, they let me provide all, all this work for a quarter of what I should have been paid. I didn't consider taxes need to be taken out. I didn't consider Social Security, Medicare. All of that had to be taken out of the, um, you know, of the money. Yeah. 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 I was just looked at the amount. Oh, this is a lot of money. Well, no, it really wasn't. And, 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 and that's why I'm passionate about the entrepreneur space, because I, I want to help people not, not, you know, not experience the same thing I did. Through, through your own lessons learned, you want to, you want mm-hmm. to provide it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, how did you find your way to VA? <laughs> you keep asking me these hilarious questions. I mean, now, okay. This is, this is, off the, this, no, no. Cause each of these questions, these are the answers are amazing. Well, first of all, I'm going to say Sunday. This is to, no Sunday. Tomorrow, tomorrow is my 10 year VA anniversary. Another person I know in VA was talking to uh, what was then my boss and said, "My boss said I need somebody to help me. This, you know, the secretary is getting questions and calls every day. Congress is calling. You know, this is the the veteran uh, certification program." I need somebody who can run things and fix things. And my my colleague, who I've known for 30 years, we grew up in the Air Force, said, I know the perfect person. That's mm. GI. And that's one of my, that's a brand I've always had. I'm a fixer. You know, I run things. I bring, you know, order out of chaos. And so as a result, um, <laughs> uh, I interviewed and then uh, my boss said, uh, I'm very interested. And uh, he said, there's going to be a job that's going to be posted and I need you to apply for it. And that's how I got to VA. Gotcha. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, you're now the director for the Center for Verification and Evaluation, which is a directorate under the Office of Small Disadvantaged Business, Business Utilization. No, that's the job I was hired into. Okay. Well, either way, that's, yeah. that's, it's a beltway it's title if I've ever heard one. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, what do you it do is, now? What do you do well, now? I, right now, um, you know, I do all, all things women veteran entrepreneurs. So women veteran um, own small business initiative. And all that means is I help women veteran uh, small businesses get opportunity, access, and education so that we can meet our women-owned small business goals. Okay. Um, you were the commander of AFES in the, in the Pacific for a time. I'm sure that experience helps in this role in some way. Oh my God. It, it does. That is my most favorite job. I have to tell you, yeah. uh, you know, a billion dollar portfolio, 7,000 people, uh, you know, serving, uh, about 350,000 people, uh, you know, and giving them a taste of home. Um, and, and I loved it because when would you ever, you know, I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't believe the air force was paying me to eat, shop and travel and cut ribbons. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like pinch me somebody. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but when would you ever get a chance to be in charge of a bakery? I mean, literally we made the bread for, you know, for all of Japan. Uh, you know, we, we did school lunches. Uh, a water plant. I mean, you know, just the amazing. Um, yeah, 
It, it was and I'm sure contracting had to come into and business, you it know, did. bringing businesses in, into AFES had, had to be a part of that. It did. We had we had vendors, um, uh, you know, that were part of franchising, you know, was was part of it. The profit loss. And that's really I, I got off on the fun part. But, um, uh, you know, the uh, the the um, the hiring, understanding uh, balance sheets and profit loss. How do you make money? How do you manage your staff, you know, cost? Operating cost is is huge. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And again, like I said, I'm sure the the contract, the bringing businesses into AFES probably helps you in your in, in your business and what you do now. It does. In uh, fact, uh, I just uh, started a, a, a relationship back with AFES, helping uh, veterans post their products and services great. on the AFES, uh, you know, site. So if they want to sell to AFES, the AFES stores can go there on that site and buy from them. Yes. Very good. It's pretty amazing. Um, now you, you've had experience with this in the VA and with, with what we're going to call Ozdebu, the office of yeah. small and disadvantaged business businesses. Um, now, if a veteran owns a business that can contract with the government, what does getting verified as a service disabled veteran owned small business or a veteran owned business? Um, what does that do for them in terms of doing business with the government? Great question. Love it. Um, so yeah. basically, um, it helps them have. So let me put it this way. It helps them uh, get into a smaller pool of competition. OK, so, um, you know, the government spills, spends trillions of dollars. Uh, VA spends billions of dollars, right? Uh, buying goods and services for veteran health care benefits, et cetera. Yeah. What happens is that pool goes from like this. So VA is the only federal agency that by law must give a portion of its contracts to veterans. Others, it is a goal. For VA, it is a law. Requirement. Right, requirement, yeah. exactly. So what happens is when you get certified, you get on a, or verified, you get on a list a database that contracting officers can now select you if you have a service or a product. They, there's income levels. I don't want to get too complicated, but there's there's not income, but there's there's dollar levels that they can provide a award a contract directly. And then there are times when they put out solicitations, right? And yep. the contractors can bid. Well, only veterans can bid on certain contracts. contracts. And so if you're not on that list, I don't care. You may have the best product service ever. You're not going to be in that selection pool. And I'm sure contracting officers, even if it is a wide open bid, they have to, they're going to look at this list first. That is correct. Unless okay. it has been proven that, there are no available small businesses, veteran-owned small businesses to do that work. What is classified as a small business? Because some small businesses are pretty big. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're exactly right. That, that's yeah. a great question. Well, a lot of it has to do with what we call NAICS codes, North American Identification Service Codes, right? And that mm. is the, like, construction has codes, IT has codes. So, Companies, when they come to work for the government, they pick codes like, like 54611 is consulting. So everybody who does that is in that. So <clears throat> so basically what happens is when they um, have those codes, then tell me the second part of the question again. I just like lost what, what, it. What, what is classified as a small business? Oh, so so by code construction, because of the amount of money that may be needed to bid on a con on a construction contract, a small company may be a company that makes 20, 30 million, even a hundred million. That's still and huge, you, but yeah. And that's huge, but it's not huge because you have to have a $20 million bonding just to bid on a VA contract, on most VA contracts. That means that bonding is the insurance that if you fail, that money's gonna allow VA to go hire another contractor to come in and, and you know, Fix, fix the mess. Yeah. Exactly. So it is. So it's by NAICS codes. It's by NAICS codes. 
It's by number of people. So it may say you can only have this many people in your company for these next codes, or you can only make so much money for these next codes. So it's really, it's not just, oh, small is small. It's small based on industry or number of people. Gotcha. So it it, gotcha. So it goes by many different factors exactly uh, within the system. Exactly. Exactly. You may be, you may, it, it may open you for some contracts and may close you for some others. Spot right. on. Wow, okay. man, you've been, look, look, hey, come on over hey. to Osterbook. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to break it down Barney style for, for a lot of people. That's, that's my gig. That's my gig. Um, and you're good at your gig. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. Um, so what, what does the verification process look like? If I'm a veteran who owns a business, what steps do I need to take to get in the game? Oh, great being question. certified? Great. Another great question. I'm loving this interview. So <laughs> think of baseball, right? We're going to put it at Barney. You said, you know, Barney or GI Joe. No, no, no <laughs> reference intended. Level, right? So imagine a baseball diamond. First base is, are you a veteran or a service disabled veteran? Second base is, are you 51% owned? Third base is the hardest base, as always, to get to home is, are you 100% controlled by the veteran? So people will get to first base and second base and think I'm home free. And no, 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 you're not. Because the reality is, if anybody else is signing the checks, signing the leases, signing uh, contracts, making decisions, then you will not get certified or verified. Interesting. So that's what it means by, because the laws that govern verification were put in place because larger companies and non-veteran companies were taking advantage of veterans and saying, you just go out there and do my business development. I'll give you 200 grand while I make, you know, bazillions and I'll take care of everything. You don't have to worry about anything. And so, Congress saw a lot of this fraud and what we call pass-throughs happening. And so they put these tenants in in place to protect what I call the veteran advantage. Okay. So so basically they have to be 100%. They have to be the last say in any decision in the company. Correct. If they say, I want to sell this for a dollar and it's worth 300,000, that's their prerogative. Gotcha. But yeah, someone else can sign the checks, but as long as you're signing that person's check, as long as you're, as long as you're doing the last thing, uh, it's hundred percent controlled. Exactly. Is that accurate? That gotcha. is pretty much accurate. All decisions, all day-to-day decisions and management must be done by the veteran or the service disabled veteran. Yes. Gotcha. Now, and we've talked about this, uh, office, of small disadvantaged business utilization, Ozabu. It's not unique just in VA, right? There's many or all secretary level departments have an Osdebu. Correct. Does does getting verified in one get you verified throughout them all, or do you have to go to each one and get verified? VA is the only place where veterans are verified. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, so you, but, you, but people use our the VA verification is recognized across the federal government. It's recognized in industry. If you go to the Walmart supplier diversity website, which is the basically site where they want more diversity with their vendors, you will see, it will ask you, are you CV, VA CVE verified? If you go to Raytheon, uh, all these major you know, uh, industries, they're all asking, are you CVE verified? Cities and states are asking, are you CVE yeah. verified? So it's it's the gold standard of of, uh, of certifying that you're a legitimate veteran-owned business. Gotcha. So they 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 have their own list based on the gold star. That is correct. Is gotcha. Yeah. Um. And you've been doing this for ten years uh, in in the federal government, helping veterans, helping yeah. veteran-owned businesses, Love helping it. women women-owned businesses. Um. What are some common mistakes that you see in terms of businesses trying to break into federal contracting? Yeah, I'm going to put it in uh, terms, military terms. They use a shotgun and they ought to be a sniper. (laughs) Okay. 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 So, so it's kind of like, you know, because 
I don't want to miss anybody. You know, I, I want to make sure everybody knows. No, if you don't want to miss anybody, you're not going to get, if you don't, anybody. you're not going to anybody. Yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> so that's number one is I tell brand new veteran owned companies, everybody talks about a funnel, you know, you put in and then it trickles down. That's common for business. I say, turn the funnel upside down, go narrow into a federal agency. And once you get one contract, go wide. So okay. it's an inverted funnel. So not like this, go like this because people. And if, and if it's audio only, she's basically going from a V to a A. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. It's an You're inverted good. funnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Thank you so much. So, yep. so that's important because you're trying to get in, right? And so you can't be everywhere. Pick out your top three, uh, I would call it capabilities. That's what we call it. You know, what you're capable of delivering. You know, right. I call it I, I Uncle Sam. You know, you, you have all this stuff in your rucksack that Uncle Sam gave you all these tools and knowledge and resources. But how do you S, solve a problem a, address an issue, or M, meet a need. That's really what the government needs you to do. They need you to solve a problem, address their issues, and meet their needs. So you need to figure out what part, you know, what three capabilities, uh, you know, use Uncle Sam, and then narrow it down and say, I'm going to go to VA, but I'm going to go to VBA, and then I'm going to go specifically to the transition folks, or specifically to the case management folks. And I am going to build a relationship. I'm going to be on the lookout everywhere that those folks are. I'm going to be there. If they're speaking at a conference, I'm going to be there. If they're doing a webinar, I'm going to be there because I need to hear their problems through their words. So then I can say, yeah, my solution answers this specifically, not I'm bringing in this generic thing. That's what I mean by a shotgun. And I'm trying to tell them, use that generic solution on their specific problem. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and they talk too much. <laughs> and they talk too much. Yeah, that's the third one. Sorry, okay. I had to get that one in there. So okay. when they in, go what to way, the, in, in what ways? When you go to a networking event or you're at a conference or, or you get the opportunity to do these one-on-ones or there's two or three businesses, listen and ask questions because there's only so much available on, on the websites, right? You know, if you go there and say, I'm, I'm Michelle and I sell IT and I'm the best thing since butter bread and I've been doing it 50 years, blah, 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 blah. What more do you know about the person you're trying to serve? Nothing. Nothing. So that 30 minutes, that 15 minutes needs to be spent on, hey, tell me more about this. I see you guys have this problem, uh, you know, with with IT and, uh, you know, maybe you could tell me, you know, what do you think the source of the problem is? If you were king or queen for the day, how would you solve it? Or what do you think the real catalyst behind that that issue is? Because then you understand the client better. And when it's time to uh, bid on that contract or to you know, answer that request for information, you have an intimate knowledge of how to structure your response and your solution to their issue because you've heard it from them, not you guessing. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. Um, Office of Small Disadvantaged Business Utilization. I'm gonna keep saying that for people that are listening to this. Like, Oz, because it's it's a lot. It's you know referred in in many circles as Ozdebu. Debu, right? In what way does Ozdebu, Office of Small Disadvantaged Business Utilization, help veteran-owned businesses? What what ways? If if I'm a veteran, I come to mm -hmm. that office. Yep. With no knowledge, zero yep. knowledge of working with the government. Yep. What can this office do for Let's me? Do couple of things. First of all, we're working when you're asleep. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you don't know we're working, we're working. That's, that's the first thing I would say. So for instance, we have accountability. We are there to protect and be the advocate for 
veteran-owned businesses, woman-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, hub zone, which is historically underutilized business zone, uh, businesses, all there. These are set-aside contract categories that each federal agency has goals for. That has They have goals that we have yeah. to report to Congress and we have to report to SBA. So let's say VA wants to buy something. Our office is the one that says, hey, I think there's a veteran-owned business or a group of veteran-owned businesses who can do that. So we can influence acquisition strategy. We're there advocating because that's the reason our office exists, because if we didn't, it would go to large businesses. Yeah. If that makes sense. So that's yeah. that's that's number one. Uh, and 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 number two, if um, a VA uh, office program office wants to uh, award a contract to a non small business, they have to show that they've done research that there are no veteran owned businesses who can do that work. And they send that report to us. And that's whole, so we're an internal accountability partner. Bottom gotcha. line on the behalf of small business. Second thing is we can help you understand more about where you should go. Um, you know, for who needs your work, but you have to do the initial work. I tell people, you know, VA is almost 400,000 people. If you say I want to do IT, well, almost every office has an aspect of IT. Yeah. What specifically kind of IT do you want to do? And I need you to tell me the office so I can then get you in to talk to the small business liaison. And then we call them SBLs. Those are the folks who are the liaisons between the veteran, um, the VA medical centers and large program areas and will help you get to the right people. But it can't be, again, the shotgun. You got to come in very laser focused. And that means you got to do homework. Do you help them with uh, being certified, getting getting through the certification process? Um, do you help them? And you're shaking your head, yes. Uh, do you help them with, um, I guess, how to bid on contracts, that sort of thing? Um, first of all, you know the uh, I would say let me answer the first one. Um, yes. The first one, yes, we do. It's a program I started when I was the director. You know, almost. 10, eight years ago, we partnered with the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. And those are folks that help with how to bid on contracts, uh, other things, and are, and are paid by DOD acquisition, um, but out of the DOD acquisition budget. So we partnered with them because we can't audit and educate at the same time. So on our website okay. is a list of... Um, of companies, uh, a list of PTACs, and they then, uh, you pick one, call them, and they will help you with all of your paperwork, help you get everything to get certified or verified. So that's one. On the bidding of contracts, our, our um, direct access uh, program and our strategic outreach um, and communications uh, office, our directorate, helps. We have webinars. Um, all kind of learning opportunities uh, that you can participate live or go back and look at that will help you with all aspects of <clears throat> of uh, bidding on contracts, understanding what to do uh, when it comes to contracting. But the first place all veterans and small businesses need to go to is the Small Business Administration. We are we are not the first place. We are gotcha. the second place, right? And there is a veteran business outreach uh, um, directorate within SBA specifically for veterans. Yeah, I've talked to them a couple of times. I need to get them in for an interview as well. Mm -hmm, I think it'd be a good, mm -hmm. great yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest successes that you've seen with small businesses that have used Ozdebu as a resource? Um, I would definitely say Don Halfacre. I know you've had her on your show. She is the, you know, I call it the model. You know, she she before uh, SAIC bought them a couple of months ago. They did. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh wow. 
Yes, SAIC bought them. Huge. That's that's like huge because um, she was uh, before that uh, acquisition the most um, successful veteran woman-owned business in the entire federal government. Uh, there are others, um, Thundercat. Uh, there's some. There's a lot of them. But what I would say has made them successful is the model that Don used. First thing you do is I just talked to a veteran woman earlier this week. I said, when people apply for jobs, apply for jobs with companies where you can bring your service. When they say they want to hire as an employee, say, I want to work for you, but I want you to hire me as a business. Because what that does is, one, you get to negotiate the terms of that, right? You get to have a higher salary because you don't need VA medical because you got, I mean, you don't need medical because you have VA medical. If you're, uh, you might have a VA disability already. So you have some income. So you want to raise your salary or the, the contract price, which used to be your salary before, and use that to pay your Medicare, your Social Security, your taxes, right? And so now they're hiring you as a business. Because they're hiring you as a business, you get to negotiate. I don't need to punch the clock every day because I'm a business. I'm not an employee. So then you can negotiate. I want to come in two days a week. I'm going to give you these deliverables at this quality and standard, this frequency, and that becomes the first line on your business resume not your personal resume. That is exactly the model that Don Halfacre used. And then when you are a business, guess what? You're there. You see a problem. It's not included in your contract. If you were an employee, you would just do it for free or it would <laughs> automatically be included. But because it's your business, you say, hmm, I can solve that too. But I need a modification to my contract and I need to hire one or two more people to help me solve, help you solve this problem. And that is the model of how Dawn grew her business. Wow. If she started out by first hiring, getting them to hire herself, her as a business, not as an employee. That's the Interesting. model. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. For anybody that wants to listen to Don's story, that's an incredible story. It's in our archives. Take a listen when you get a chance. Um, and she's got a new chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't know they got acquired by SAIC. That's a huge mm-hmm. federally contracted company. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, for you as a 27 year veteran, um, what does it mean for you to help veteran owned businesses break into federal contracting? everything. It's not work. It's ministry. It's mission. I mean, I am, I am 24, seven, 365, always thinking about opportunity, looking for opportunity. When I meet, uh, you know, businesses or I meet people, I say, Hey, do you want to help, you know, women, veterans, veterans, um, you know, I consider myself to be a small hinge opening big doors because it's not that veterans don't have the talent. They have the talent. They just need opportunity. They need access and they need education, period. And many times those relationships are relationships that if you're not thinking about the veteran, you would just, oh, yeah, hey, really great to meet you. Yeah, what do you do? Instead, I'm thinking, what can they do for a veteran business? Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, GI, what's one thing that you learned during your time in service that you apply to what you do today? Service. When you help others get what they want, when you serve people, um, you will, you'll win, you'll benefit, you know, and, 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 that's the reason why, um, you know, the things that uh, I've been able to do not, you know, for the not only in CVE, but for the Women Veteran Owned Small Business Initiative have been so impactful is because when people know when I call, 
I'm not asking for GI. I'm asking for a woman veteran or a veteran business for them to help. And people love that. And they welcome, they don't say, oh, let me ignore that call. It's GI calling. No, it's GI calling and it's going to be something good. And it's going to be good for somebody else, something greater than herself. And so that's really, I would say, is what I learned the most. And, and, you know, when you help others, I believe in, you can call it, you reap what you sow, karma, whatever, it comes back. Sounds like it's, a, it's also a reason you get up in the morning. Absolutely. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm awesome. having a blast. That's outstanding. Um, yeah, has there been a veteran whom you've, you've known or a veteran nonprofit within the veteran community whom you've had an experience with that you'd like to mention? Hmm. Wow. That's tough. Um, yeah. Cause you interact with a lot. If you were to pick yeah, one I recently. Do. I do. Uh, you know, there's a woman veteran business owner and I told her uh, Barbara Stankowski, who has been a tremendous supporter of the women veteran owned small business initiative. She's what we call like our room mother right? Uh, you know, she's there every day. Um, but Barbara is a U.S. Navy retired captain uh, in the 70s. So I'm just saying, you know, she came in before I did and yeah. uh, has many first under her belt. But she retired after 30 years in the Navy, then started work for a couple of veteran-owned businesses and, and then started her business at 57 years old wow! and then grew it to 30 million and retired a couple of years ago. I'm like, girl, you give me hope. I want to be like you. I'm just saying. <laughs> but what I love the most is everything she's committed to women, veteran entrepreneurs and every program I've had this year, she is there every day encouraging, mentoring, sharing her knowledge with women veterans. And that's why I call her, she's like the room, the room mother, you know, that's there helping. And, and the inspiration, just her presence, just her insight is amazing. We were just on the phone. Uh, we, we're now in a program, the Vet Biz Lady Start program, which we're helping women veterans who are starting out, who want to be government contractors with VA. And she was, uh, we do uh, like instruction on Monday. They get mentoring from women veteran businesses on Thursday, and then they work on their business plan for an hour on Friday. But she was part of a group yesterday and uh, just the insight that she gave them, you know, how she was telling them how she got funding in the beginning and all these resources that I don't know. See, here's, here's what's amazing. I work at the office of small business. Yeah. But I'm not a small business owner. I, I don't know what it's like to sit on the other side of the table. I know how to what it's like to sit on the government side of the table. So that's why her impact has been so huge, because these ladies are in our programs, but hearing from people who are, have been successful like them and are there every it's like it's like they're consistently not. I came one time and spoke and then I, I don't see you again. Yeah, she is there. So Barbara Barbara Stankowski is just tremendous. U.S. Navy captain retired and now retired veteran uh, woman owned business, successful and just giving back. That's outstanding. Very good. Very good. Um, Gia, is there anything that I have I've missed or haven't asked? That yes. Okay. <laughs> I figured it would be something. <laughs> no, no, no. You've met, you've, you've talked about a lot, but, but there's one thing I want to talk about as far as women veteran um, entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, we're, we're spending a lot of time and money building, you know, healthcare facilities around women veterans. And, and, you know, we're now looking at how, you know, transition programs and benefits, but there's nothing like entrepreneurship. And that is why I'm passionate about my program because when you are an entrepreneur, this allows women who are caregivers, either for their spouses, their parents, their kids, uh, who have tremendous skills, who have you know the resolve, the resilience, 
uh, the resourcefulness to do anything and multitask and do it in, a, in just an amazing way, you know, who have left their children, some of them signed over their children to serve this country. Now is the time for them to develop their own system of wealth, right? They get to design a business that allows them, if they want to make 200,000, 2 million or 200 million, it's only based on their own efforts. Mm. And all we have to do is give, help them understand the system better and give them the opportunity and not think that, oh, they're a woman. They can't do it because we've surveyed, they experience ageism, racism, sexism many times. And they are, especially when they're going into this male dominated government contracting space. So I just want to say, you know, women veterans are this nation's super dash market. They are underutilized, underemployed, undervalued, underserved. And it is my distinct pleasure to be at service for them and and to help them uh, find their way. So if you're a woman owned business or you want to be a woman veteran owned business, come hit up GI. That's what you're saying. Yep. And come to the (laughs) Osdabu website. We've got resources, tremendous resources by states, grants, all kinds of things there uh, at their disposal. And they can call me. You're right. Outstanding. Well, we'll put all that contact contact information in the blog for this episode on blogs.va.gov. Uh, GI, thank you so much uh, for all the knowledge about about uh, this this office that not many people know about, but need to know about. Um, and we we are out. Have a good one. Thank you. Been a pleasure. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental health care, and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 1-855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits, visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. I want to thank Michelle for coming on board the battle. To learn more about the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization or to contact them, Go to va.gov forward slash OSDBU forward slash about forward slash index dot ASP. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by the way of VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our social media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and with a blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate the veteran in your life by emailing in a bio and about five pictures to newmedia at va.gov. William McDowell was raised in New York City during the Great Depression. His father was a Harlem Hellfighter, serving in the nation's first Black Army Regiment in World War I. On the eve of World War II, President Roosevelt banned racial discrimination in military enlistment, and the Marines soon started enlisting Black soldiers, and McDowell's brother joined just as World War II started. This inspired McDowell himself to enlist in the Marines at 17 and he went to Montford Point, North Carolina, where the nation's first black Marines trained. Dow's first deployment was to Okinawa, Japan, just before the U.S. dropped the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August of 1945. He provided security for trucks delivering water to Nagasaki. Afterwards, he served a similar role where he protected supplies delivered to the U.S.-backed Nationalist Party in the Chinese Civil War. The next year, McDowell returned to the U.S., and he spent six months at Camp Pendleton, California. Then, in 1950, McDowell went to Korea. While in Korea, McDowell first retrieved fallen soldiers from the battlefield. He then became a section leader as the U.S. military pushed itself north towards the Chinese border. Later, McDowell was wounded in the leg and returned home in 1951. Over the next decade, McDowell performed various instructor roles at bases across the U.S. And in 1964, he started working for the State Department, where he oversaw security for the American Embassy in Nepal. Two years later, he joined other Marines to provide hurricane relief in Haiti. So I'm guessing he was a, an American, or he was a Marine security guard at the American Embassy in Nepal. In March of 1967, McDowell was then deployed to Vietnam. In July, on a search and destroy mission, the enemy shot him in the leg. 
in the leg again. Despite being heavily injured, he helped direct the subsequent evacuation from the area, and he received a Bronze Star for his actions. In 68, McDowell retired from the military at the rank of First Sergeant. After his military service, McDowell worked for railway companies across the United States and Canada before settling down in Long Beach, California as a railway consultant in 1992. In addition to his Bronze Star, he had received a total of three Purple Hearts, and as a Monfort Point Marine, he received a Congressional Gold Medal in 2012. Marine veteran William McDowell, Semper Fidelis, and thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all hear their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Fire, bullets fly to my brain. Simplify to another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my bag Raiding down lead Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gunner Bullets fly in that brain Simplify, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one But I was in Ellsworth, South Dakota and Ellsworth, South Dakota will always be very special in, uh, in my life because, one, there's less than half a percent of blacks in the entire state. And uh, I took it up a, a, a milli, 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 milli percentage because I had my first child uh, at Ellsworth, uh, you know, while I was commanding 400 people. So that's funny. But the real thing is that I was... Uh, was driving around with my base, my boss, because, uh, you know, I was in charge of all of the, I call it base services, you know, lodging, dorms, linen, laundry, dining yeah. facilities, et cetera. Bottom line is um, he was, he wanted to show me something. So we're driving along the flight line and uh, headed to the, uh, the flight kitchen where we serve pilots meals. And this truck speeds by like zoom past right and the base commander's car has like police lights in the grill and so my boss looks at me and we immediately go in hot pursuit of this car that sped by right and i'm like going oh my god what a and so anyway he he pulls the car over tells the troop to get out of the car he's giving him the riot act pointing his finger you know you know give me let me see your id card who's your commander and he looks at me in the car and points to me. There's my commander. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was devastated. I was like, when he, he, he then, you know, let the troop go. He came back, gave me his ID card and handed it to the passenger seat and said, I'm sure you'll take care of this. <laughs> I'm sure you're mortified. That's hilarious. I was mortified. I'm like, oh, my God. What did that teach you, if anything? 
Well, one, I think, uh, you know, you, you, no matter how, you know, they always say when you're a leader, you're in charge, you, you know, you're responsible for everything. You cannot control what people do, even when you are the commander. I mean, or you're the leader, you know, people are going to do stupid things, dumb things, you know, and uh, so that one, you know, it taught me that, you know, two, um, you know, this guy could have run, you know, could have read me the riot act too, but he knew I was embarrassed, like, oh my God, beyond words, right? What are the chances that that person would be my troop, right? And and he knew he didn't need to say anything, everything, anything mm-hmm. and that I would take care of it. And I think sometimes people, you know, I've learned silence is power and that people will, will self-correct and beat them up, beat themselves up more than you ever could. And you will still, um, you know, uh, retain their respect. 